is it time to ditch Mitch, right? Like so far the passing game is not looking good. I don't know if the bigger, bigger culprit is Trubisky or Matt Canada's play calling. There's blame to go around for sure. This terrible start for the Steelers passing game. Matt Canada, Mitchell Trubisky, Mike Tomlin. We'll give our takes on that here in just a little bit. But first and foremost, it's the Steelers Wire podcast. Thanks for jumping on board with us. I'm Ryan O'Leary, your host. Great to be back, as always, with Kurt Polkjoy of USA Today's Steelers Wire. Kurt, my apologies, man, making you come on here, discuss a loss to my Patriots. I do feel bad for you and all the Steelers fans because I, I know exactly how mediocre the Patriots are this year. So that's that's going to be a tough one to swallow. Yeah, you got to take the bad with the good. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those games where I, I never felt like the, the Steelers were in it from the time they fell behind. You know, it was a completely different emotional feeling from the week before. Week before, I felt like the Steelers had a chance to win the entire game, but I never, I never really had that energy um, against New England. The team didn't look like they had that energy, and I just never, I my confidence was not there from from early in the game. Well, we heard that the Steelers were going to try to open it up a little bit in the passing game. Kurt, we at least heard rumblings of that. Uh, didn't work out for him. Uh, and I have some takes on that about, you know, the Steelers just kind of ignoring some of the things that might have been there and kind of playing into Belichick's hands and the way he likes to play defense. Um, I thought the Steelers kind of played into the Patriots' hands. There's some frustrating things there. But this kind of goes back to a conversation we had last week, Kurt. Is it time to ditch Mitch, right? Like, so far, the passing game is not looking good. I don't know if the bigger, bigger culprit is Trubisky or Matt Canada's play calling. I know Steelers' Twitter seems to... You know, I think the pitchforks were out oh, for uh, Canada. Canada. I think, yeah, all I, the way. I think his key card to the facility would be revoked if Steelers Twitter had their way, uh, yeah. Kurt. But what yeah. do you think? Is it time to ditch Mitch, or is it well, do they need to fix the play calling? I, you know, I, I was I've had many conversations since Sunday night about this, and I, I it's hard because you know the crowd halfway through the third quarters chanting for Kenny Pickett, people in the stands wanted Kenny Pickett on the field. After the game, um, you know, social media turned on Matt Canada pretty hard. Uh, but that, that wasn't just from yet, from this week's game. I mean, Matt Canada, you know, last season basically was, was described as, you know, he, it wasn't his offense last season because Ben Roethlisberger was still on the team. And so, and all, you know, this is his first opportunity. Now two games in looks pretty terrible. And so I think that you know, when you have beat reporters coming out and putting out tweets about how terrible the play calling is and, you know, how they can see guys wide open out there and, and Trubisky's missing those people. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, I can't point a finger at one or the other. Mitch Trubisky's clearly not playing very good football. I, I'm a firm believer that you could just see too many plays where he just, he still just wants to get rid of that ball too quickly. He wasn't under a ton of pressure last week. Um, I didn't feel like he was running for his life or, or anything like that. But he's still just not not going through his reads. He's not going through his progressions. Could Matt Canada open the offense up more? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> will he? I don't know. I think I think some of this is Mike Tomlin. You know, Mike Tomlin said after the game um, that the game plan was not to throw deep because he basically said um, Bill Belichick defense um, schemes well against the deep passes, so they weren't planning to do that. So instead, they just check it down and throw to Najee Harris and 
and New England's a, a good tackling team, and they just couldn't get anything going. And I think if you're Mitch Trubisky, at some point, you're out there on the field. If, if you want to keep this job, you you got to look downfield. you got to take some shots. I mean, you know, whether or not the, the play is designed to do one thing or another, that's one thing about Roethlisberger. It really didn't matter what play got sent in. He was going to throw the ball where he wanted to throw the football. And and I don't think Trubisky maybe doesn't feel confident enough to do that at this point. But I just don't – I don't see this offense having enough punch to to really score enough points to beat anybody if they don't open things up. But, you know, you've got, you've got basically a, a mutiny amongst the – amongst the players about who's, whose fault it is. And, and, you know, we're just trying to, you know, Chase Claypool's coming out saying, I'm just doing my job and running the routes they tell me to and, and things like that. And, and it's tough. You hate to see that so early in the season. But for me at this point, you know, it starts with Mike Tomlin. I mean, I, I know that everybody kind of wants to shield Mike Tomlin. You know, he, he well, basically, Mike's fan base, you have the people who think he's the greatest coach in Steelers history and those who think he's the worst coach in Steelers history. And there's not much in between when it comes to the fans. And I think that he has to be the one that's ultimately responsible for what's going on in the field. Um, and I, I just don't know. He's, he's just so stubborn with his philosophy that I'm just not sure he's willing to change. I think he's going to keep going back to, you know, in a game this close, there's a play or two that makes all the difference. We didn't make the plays, meaning the players didn't make the plays. Next week, if the players make the plays, we win the game, and then the coaches look smart. And I, I hate that mentality. I don't, I don't like that way of thinking that sort of removes the, the coaches from blame when it comes to a loss like that. Yeah, I, I think th- I have no problem putting some blame on Mike Tomlin because I didn't like the plan on offense, Kurt, at all. And I don't know if that's Canada or – or Tomlin, but you know, let's put it on Tomlin. You got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, and Najee Harris. The passing game should look better than it has. You get the surplus of weapons, but you're 28th in the NFL through two weeks. You're averaging 172 passing yards per game. And Josh Allen gets yeah. that in a quarter these days, Kurt. Right? It's just not good enough. Exactly. And, you know. Yeah, and you, and you got to you got to question what you're seeing out there, like. Everything was funneled to the outside and the checkdowns, like you said. And that's what Belichick wants. He wants you throwing it to the outside. Now, I get why Trubisky's throwing 10 targets to Deontay Johnson against Jalen Mills. That looks like a really good matchup for the Steelers. I would take them in that matchup all day. That's probably what they talked about in the film room and all that. So I understand why he was peppering to the outside to Deontay Johnson, but the Patriots love that. Throw it to the outside, check it down to Najee Harris. That's Belichick. Tomlin's absolutely right. Belichick is scared of the deep ball, the chunk play. Like Miami beat them in week one with that long play to Jalen Waddle, which is the, you know, the, the one that busted the game open for the Dolphins and their win over the Patriots. Like he doesn't want that. He wants you to check it down and do the death by a thousand cuts. And he knows that yeah. eventually you're not going to score. So I, it's so interesting to me how the Steelers are just unwilling to go over the middle of the field or slash down the field, Kurt. Right. And, I think yeah. the big two, thing for two me two games in a row now. Yep. I think they've thrown to the middle about three times in two games, and one was an interception last week. Yeah, and I just like the weakness in that Patriots defense was Miles Bryant, the slot corner. He's the weakness. He's right there in the middle of the field. The Patriots are trying to hide him. I promise you, he's not good. He's not good, especially when he's one on one. And Chase Claypool was lined up in the slot opposite Miles Bryant a lot in this game, and I kept waiting for. I'm like, you got to go to Claypool. Yeah. What does he do? But I don't think Trubisky even looked that way. Uh, Claypool wasn't really in the box score. So it was all 
<clears throat> funneled to the outside, Kurt. It was all short passes. I mean, Deontay Johnson, yeah, he caught, what, six passes, but it was 57 yeah. scoreless yards. Doesn't yeah. really hurt you, right? So they played into the Patriots' hands. They ignored the middle of the field. They didn't go after the good matchup of Claypool versus Bryant. I just thought it was a crappy plan. They just played in the Patriots' hands on offense. I, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Well, they didn't They didn't take advantage of Bryant, no matter who was in there. You know, split Pat Fryermuth out wide, um, run George Pickens in the slot. I mean, they had opportunities to take advantage of those mismatches. Uh, the fact that George Pickens has two catches in two games when he is going to have a mismatch against whoever's guarding him in the slot is just remarkable to me that they, they don't look to him more as well. So, um, and I think that once the play starts, no matter what play Matt Canada calls, it's on Trubisky to make that play at that point. You know, you, you hate to see it. Um, even James Daniels, um, who played for the Bears, you know, he's a he's the Steelers starting right guard now, um, <clears throat> made a, a comment on social media about it, how he remembered games like this in Chicago when the offense just couldn't get moving. And I'm like, are you taking a shot at Trubisky here a little bit? I mean, is this, you know, when the defense was lights out and the offense couldn't carry their weight or something, he said. And I'm like, are you kind of taking a shot at your quarterback here from when you guys played together in Chicago? Or what exactly does this mean? Probably. I don't think Trubisky left a lot of friends in his wake. No. I mean, it really feels like these guys are all starting to point fingers a little bit. And it's, it's. You know, last week the offensive line played better. So it was easy in week one to look at that offensive line and go, yeah, you guys did not do what you're supposed to do. But last week the offensive line more than did enough for the passing game to be better. And I, as much as Matt Canada calls some some head scratchers for plays, once that ball snapped, or even prior to the ball being snapped, Trubisky's got to know what's going on out there, and he's got to be the one to make the play. I mean, they, they, they've they got a rookie sitting on the bench who's ready to get out there. And, and you know, Trubisky has to recognize that, that this job is not set in stone at this point for him. Well, he's certainly not blowing us away with his um, excellent play and uh, his leadership so far, <laughs> Kurt. Not, not happening. I think the biggest frustration here is that the Patriots aren't that good, and the Steelers really gave this one away. And Kurt and I are going to tell us all the ways they they gave this one away, as Tomlin was kind of alluding to in his postgame presser. Uh, But first, our friends over at TheHuddle.com have fantasy advice for us. They're going to tell us who to put in our lineups in Week 3, and then Kurt and I will be right back. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week number 3. Quarterback Jared Goff, Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. While it has been a small sample size, Goff has shown enough in the first couple of weeks to give gamers a little bit of hope that he could be a streaming option in Week 3. He has six touchdown passes versus just one interception and is coming off a QB6 finish a week ago. And there's a pretty good shot at a multi-touchdown effort from Goff, and don't be shocked if he approaches 300 yards. Indianapolis Colts running back Naheem Hines versus the Kansas City Chiefs. If the Chiefs can hang points early and force Indy to abandon the running game, this could be a big week for Hines through the air. Despite what we've seen through two games, we're inclined to give Indy a little more credit, especially if star linebacker Shaquille Leonard can get back into the mix. There's even more upside for Hines if wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. isn't available once more. Either way, Kansas City has given up the most receptions and the third highest yardage outputs to running backs through the air this season. Hines is a reasonable PPR play out of the flex spot. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers, Patriots vs. Ravens. 
the favorite target of quarterback Mac Jones has a fine matchup ahead, and that's not an overreaction to what Miami did to Baltimore in Week 2. Baltimore gave up four different wide receiver performances of at least 8.7 PPR points to the Jets in Week 1, including a 6-catch, 77-yard showing by Corey Davis, which should be in line with Myers' floor in this one, especially if the Ravens can jump out to a substantial lead. Los Angeles Rams tight end Tyler Higby at Arizona Cardinals. While his career has been defined by inconsistency, we've seen enough through two games to suggest that he'll continue to be involved in the offense at least to a large enough degree to warrant fantasy consideration. His 20 targets lead all tight ends, and his 26.3% target share is number two at the position. Only two tight ends have more than his 12 receptions. Meanwhile, Arizona has allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends by a wide margin, despite being one of the strongest units in 2021. Ride the hot hand and take advantage of the matchup while you can. For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. The Steelers definitely gave this one away, Kurt, and uh, they're not good enough to do that, right? They just can't afford to do that. And there's a lot of different things that went down in this ball game. I thought a couple of killers. Number one, the Aguilar catch over Witherspoon. And you and I already yeah. talked before we started recording. We can't blame the kid for that one. Uh, just nah. a hell of a catch by Nelson Aguilar. But the timing of that play in the final seconds of the first half, oh, was that a killer? And that was the one Mike Tomlin kept hitting on in the in the post game yeah. he just said that was a play that was hard for us to recover from but then there's a couple other ones in early third quarter Sutton dropping that interception in plus territory oh, right right in his chest brutal. i mean that was a killer Kurt. that could have changed the entire complexion of the ball game they, and the steelers needed that play uh, and that was a catch he made the week before you know he he yes, made yes. plays i mean he was really the lockdown guy in week 1 i mean he made several key plays late in that game and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those situations. Oh, and that was just a heartbreaker. I mean, you, you just knew that the entire defense saw that play and thought, we've got this. And then he doesn't pull it in. And it's hard to just jog back to the huddle and, and run another play when you, you just, you gave one away that was that easy. So yeah, that was, that was tough. That, I, I don't know if that play was bigger than, than the muff punt or not, but, they're close for me. They're very close. Yeah, the, the, the muff punts on both sides were, I think, what ended up deciding the football game, right? Gunnar Olszewski, let's yeah. start there. Gunnar Olszewski, former Patriot, flapping his gums all week, Kurt, about how, oh, you, I'm going to make the Patriots pay for letting me go. Oh, how's, how's that working out for you, Miles Bryant, as your yeah. punt returner, right? And he comes out, catch the football. Oh, my God, Gunnar, can you catch the freaking football? What a, what a horrible, horrible mistake that was. I mean, the muffed punt there by Olszewski was... The game, the Patriots scored a touchdown there. Again, the Patriots aren't very good. They needed that play to set them up in what? What was it? Inside the 20 or whatever it was, Kurt? Yeah, it was. Like, they needed yeah, that. That's, that's how they scored the touchdown that, that kind of put it out of reach. Besides it them was. holding on to the football at the end and running out the clock, good for them. But then yeah. on the other side, Miles Bryant, you know, a guy we keep mentioning. Can you tell him a big yeah. Miles Bryant fan? I like the kid. Yeah, he's, just yeah. not, he's an undrafted rookie, like, you know, a couple of years ago. He's been on the on and off the practice squad the last couple of years. Like, I like the kid, but 
it's kind of annoying as a Patriots fan, him being on the field so much, especially him returning punts, which is something, Kurt, he said he hasn't done since high school. But anyway, Belichick does this kind of thing. He wants Miles Bryant to be his punt returner. And all, oh, of course, he muffs the punt, and he's kicking it and bending over and trying to pick it up and knocking uh, it around the end zone. And man, what a golden opportunity for the Steelers. Perfect. Again, yeah. can't blame him for that. But man, a missed opportunity, right? If, the, if a Steeler could have just got that football that was loose in the end zone, that could have changed yeah. the complexion of this game. So yeah. the Steelers were close to winning this one if a couple of big plays flipped the other way. Tomlin said that post game. I think a lot of people might have rolled their eyes. I kind of agree with him, though. It, it, he, he said it perfectly, really. In a close game, when, you, when you're playing a team close, one or two plays typically decide the outcome. I mean, that's the, you, you don't have a three-point game if there's a blowout on either side. And that just isn't how it works. And he, he's absolutely right. And yeah, fans don't want to think about that. All they want to do is fire, fire Matt Canada. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Cam Sutton catches that ball. Gunner fields that punt clean. Steelers fall on that muff punt in the end zone. Any one of those three plays go the Steelers way. They probably win the game. I, I really think that any one of those three goes their way. They probably have enough. Especially the muff punt. If they could have, if they could have fallen on that punt, um, that would have been big. That that would have been huge. So yeah, it really is that way. When you're getting blown, if you're getting blown out, you know, a couple of you know mental errors aren't the end of the world. But when the game is that close, but Tomlin's absolutely right. The the, the problem is is that you, you know you have to decide how much blame do you put on your head coach when guys are making mental errors like that. You know, can you blame Mike Tomlin for Cam Sutton not catching that football? I don't think you can. I mean, it, like I said, Cam Sutton had a great game last week. Um, so the fact that he let one get through his hands, I don't know that you can you can really put that on Tomlin. You know, the, the same thing with the, the ball bouncing around in the end zone. You know, any one of those guys could have dove on it. They didn't. Um that, that's not the fault of the coaches. Eventually, you're all you're all getting paid to do your job out there, and you just New England did their job. You know, they did what they were supposed to get paid to do, and had one or two Steelers done their job in those key moments, we, we might be talking about Pittsburgh being two and zero right now. Absolutely, and I, and I don't blame Sutton. Just to clarify that, I do blame Olszewski though. <laughs> that was yeah. Well, uh, that's why I didn't include yeah. him in that. Yeah, exactly, I think that exactly. was exactly yeah. But I don't blame Sutton. That's all you. Just, that's all you're asked to do. You know, exactly. I mean, that's, 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 that's like a bad, like a bad punt. You know, that's all you're asked to do. Catch that football clean. Horrible. That, that's, that's all you need to do. Horrible. So, and again, yeah. again, with all the gum flapping too, about how he was going to stick it to the Patriots. Yeah, well, that, that, that made it you. worse for it, sure. It did. And, you know, another thing I think um, on the Patriots side of things, they're very happy about was that they held up in the interior. Uh, so Mac, I think the, I don't yeah. think it was indicative. I think the Steelers got some pressure on Mac Jones, but they didn't sack him. So they weren't able to get those big negative plays, maybe a strip sack that could have swung things, Kurt. Uh, and the rookie that we talked about last week, you brought this up, Cole Strange, the rookie guard for the Patriots. They drafted him in the first round. He's been thrusted in there. Second game as a pro going up against Cam Hayward. I would have taken the Steelers in that matchup all day. But are we in the twilight zone here? I mean, the kid held up fine against Cam Hayward. Like, what the hell happened there? He yeah, he played well. I mean, the whole, the whole Patriots offensive line did a good job. I mean, Alex Highsmith, never really got close to Mac Jones. I mean, he didn't, after getting three sacks on Joe Burrow the week before, um, you know, Alex Highsmith was, was kept in check. And if there was a guy 
who needed to step up, it was probably him. But he had one hurry. Um, Malik Reed, who filled in for T.J. Watt, had one. Um, and, you know, Cam Hayward didn't have any. He, he, he didn't get one quarterback hurry, not one tackle for loss. Yeah, he got he got neutralized hard. I mean, they they schemed him and they figured out how to shut him down. And I really think that if you can, you don't have T.J. Watt, and if you can keep Cam Hayward in check, there there just isn't enough talent in that front seven to to do anything. You know, I think the only other player that had a had a hurry in the game for the Steelers was Tyson Alulu. You know, Demarvin Leal didn't get one. Um, uh, Larry Ogunjobi didn't have one. You know, Miles Jack didn't get anything on a blitz. There were no corners coming in getting pressures. Um, just every everything, the whole the whole scheme kind of falls apart when when Watt and Hayward can't be effective. And so that's that's tough. I mean, hey, Cam Hayward came out. He was you know he's always been pretty honest about his his play, and he wasn't happy with how he played, but. It's it's sort of like down the stretch when Ben Roethlisberger used to fall on his sword week after week. We get it, but are you going to do better next week? You know, we we get that you're you're aware of it, Cam, but are you going to play better this week than you did last week? So, yeah, you talk about it. You talk about it all the time, Kurt. It's like when the defense isn't just wrecking havoc on the opposing team and getting turnovers and maybe scoring points for the team with the way the offense is playing. Not just this year, but the last couple of years. Yeah. Steelers have a hard time winning those ball games. Everything has to go perfect. And this game, it didn't yeah. go perfect. They need the defense to help them out. And I know they got the, the interception by Minka Fitzpatrick, but really that just negated Mitch Trubisky's, you know, bad throw. So, right. Um, right. you know, they needed the defense to come up with something, a strip sack, a, a, a pick six or something to switch the fields. And um, it didn't happen. So a lot to be disappointed about there. Uh, and how bad is it right now for the Steelers? Well, you're five and a half point underdogs going to Jacoby Brissett in Cleveland this week. So, so Kurt and I are going to get into that one and the spread and make a pick here coming up next. But first, our friends from the Bet Slip It podcast have a free sports betting play for us. Check that out. We'll be right back. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, hello. This is Nathan Beadley here with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm here to break down the Packers Bucks as our game of the week. We are using odds provided by Typico Sportsbook. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus. See site for details. Get your bonus today at usabet.com slash podcast. All right, on to the game. The Bucks have won two straight low-scoring, grinded-out type games. And their defense is the real deal. They're led by an elite secondary and a front line that is the most sacks per game in the NFL. Mike Evans out will open up a favorably price point for Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, and a nasty defense. The Bucks were 8-2 against the spread as home favorites last season and should keep that success rolling this year. Take Bucks minus 2.5 against the Packers this Sunday. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Kurt, as I said, it's it's not good when you're a five and a half point underdog to Jacoby Brissett in Cleveland. And that's what that's no. especially when Cleveland's coming off a just horrible, disgusting loss to the Jets. And again, 
if people haven't picked yeah. up on it yet, I'm a Patriots fan. I hate the Jets. And I don't like Joe Flacco either very much. So that pairing, <laughs> I, I want nothing good to happen ever to Flacco and the Jets. And they beat Cleveland somehow last week. That was a debacle. Yeah. Screwed up my survivor pool. Not happy about it, Kurt. Uh, so what do you think about this matchup? The Steelers, five and a half point dogs, as I said. They're 22nd against the run defensively through these two weeks. And we know that the Browns are just going to try to do it with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, right? That's what it's all about, the yeah. run game. That's kind of all they've got right now. I know they brought in Amari Cooper. He had a decent game last week against the Jets, but the Browns have scored six touchdowns on offense. The running backs have scored five of them. So it's all about yeah. Chubb. It's all about Hunt. Can the Steelers figure it out defensively to shut that down um, and get a win on the road this week, Kurt? What do you think? I think they can. I mean, I think that the, the defense, you know, I, I, I believe that the front seven is capable, um, but that they leaves them having to have a lot of trust in that back four. Um, you know, for whatever reason, the Steelers kind of sell out either against the run or against the pass. And, and when you look at games against Cleveland in the past, um, invariably it's been kind of big plays through the air. You know, Baker Mayfield's made some pretty big plays on the Steelers over the years when he was their quarterback. Um, and I think, I don't think they're going to have to contend with that, at least initially. But Martin Cooper's a good football player. You know, I mean, if there was a game for him to break out and have a good game, it could be this one. I, I think Pittsburgh's probably a more talented team, their defense compared to Cleveland's offense. Um, but the problem is, I just don't know where Pittsburgh's going to get points. I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know where they're going to score. I, I don't know that Dan Moore can can stop Miles Garrett. I mean, if I'm Cleveland, I just line Miles Garrett up over Dan Moore all game long. It's scary. And right? just Garrett wear, against this offensive line yeah. is scary. Well, and you know, they don't Clowney's not playing. Um uh Winovich, the backup's not playing. So it's basically they're gonna they're gonna line Miles Garrett up and just run him at the quarterback. And, you know, a core of four, the right tackle had a good game last week. So I expect Cleveland just to just to split Miles Garrett out and just just run Trubisky down. And what what's Pittsburgh going to do? Are they going to you know they're going to have to chip him with Najee Harris? They're going to have to chip him with with Pat Fryermuth or Zach Gentry. Um, and is just his presence going to be enough to kind of panic Trubisky? Um, you know the, the the old adage in football. When you've got a guy like him, how do you slow him down? Well, one thing, you run right at him. You know, whenever you've got a, a really good pass rusher, a lot of times the best way to neutralize them is just to run right at him and then run play action off of it because then you've got him, you know, hesitating a little bit. Is Matt Canada going to do that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's going to, if he's going to game plan around trying to, trying to neutralize Miles Garrett and hope the rest of the defense, you know, doesn't, doesn't hurt him. Um, but I just, I don't know where Pittsburgh's going to score. I, I, I don't know where they're going to get their points from. I, I hate to say that, um, but I just, I don't feel like in a short week um, they could really make any big changes. You know, that's part of the reason that everybody screaming for Kenny Pickett. Well, they're not going to put Kenny Pickett out there on with three days to prepare for a game, you know, in between games. So you weren't going to get your wish no matter how bad Trubisky played. But at the same time, they really don't have, much of an opportunity to make much changes to the game plan. They're, they're going to have to go in there and kind of do what they've always done and just hope they can keep it close and hope that, you know, when they're, when the opportunity is there, 
when the must punt is there or the interception is there, you know, Pittsburgh gets to play this time instead of, instead of the other team. And I think that's their only chance to win it. I, I think they're going to have to have some, you know, it's like we were talking before we started. I think if they don't get lucky, you know, if they don't get some lucky breaks, um, I just don't know that they have enough to, to outscore many teams in the NFL. And that's, that's scary considering on paper how much talent the offense has. It's just frustrating, Kurt, because as you say that, it's like the Jets just scored 31 points against that team last weekend yeah. with, with Joe Flacco, who's like 38 um, and yeah. kind of cooked. And we're worried that the Steelers aren't going to score. And it's valid. Like, I agree with you. I agree with you. Like, and, and yeah, you can't throw Kenny Pickett out there against the Browns because the Bears tried that last year with Justin Fields and he got sacked nine times against the Browns. So you just yeah. don't do that. Just like, you know, no. find a better week for it. But yeah, I hope we're moving towards Kenny Pickett playing football for the Steelers. Let's hope. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, can Trubisky actually threaten the defense or is he going to get scared and just chuck it to Deontay and hope for spectacular catches down the, down the sideline and check it down, right? Like, is that is he going to actually threaten the D and take some chances? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think there's plays to be made. I don't think, I don't think the Browns are that good. Uh, but I don't either, but you know, five and a half points. It just seems like too many. I want to take the points. I want to take the Steelers. And every time I do kind of like last week, it's like, why are the Patriots? The Patriots are good. Why are they favored in Pittsburgh? I don't understand. Like take Pittsburgh. And then then you start watching watching You're like, Oh, that's why. (laughs) Exactly. Then you start watching the game. It's like, Oh yeah. Trubisky. Yeah. That's why. And that's why it'll hit you again on Sunday. It's like, why are the freaking Steelers five and a half point dogs? Against this, cl- and, I, and then you'll see why. And I'm no Joe Flacco fan, but going back and rewatching that game, I mean, he stood in there knowing he's going to get hit, and he made throws. You know, I mean, that's that's the one thing with Trubisky. He either has to stand in there and make some throws, or he needs to take off and run. And and he talked about that today. That the coaches have said he needs to use his legs more. He feels like he needs to. If, if the play's not there early, I would rather see him tuck it and go. And if he's going to throw the ball, stand in there and make a throw, and you might get hit once in a while. But, you know, that, that's what you get paid for. And right now I think he's just – he's more concerned about getting the ball out of his hands and avoiding that. And, you know, Flacco, he, he got blasted a few times last week on throws. That's why he was – he was made the plays he did was he was just kind of fearless. I mean, I'm no Flacco fan, but, you know, I've, I've, I've watched Ben Roethlisberger play enough – and watched him throw getting beat on enough to know that sometimes those quarterback, good quarterbacks just stand in there and take a hit and make a throw. And that's what Trubisky needs to do. All right, Kurt, I got I got to let you go before you say anything else. That's nice about the jets or Joe Flacco. Okay, no, 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 that's, that's a good point. He did. Yeah. You got to give him, got to give him his props. I mean, that comeback against the Browns was insane. Uh, this is just a game that, you know, on schedule day, we said the Steelers got to get this one early in the year division opponent, uh, backup quarterback, right? I mean, Baker Mayfield's in Carolina. Deshaun Watson's on the shelf. Like, it's Jacoby Brissett. It's not that dynamic of, a, of an attack the Browns have. They're not that great on defense this year besides their pass rushers. So, um, feels like one the Steelers could get or should get. Will they get it? That's the question. It's just, yeah. you know who freaking knows. But we hope you all enjoy the game. I hope you're following Kurt's stuff on Steelers Wire. Always good stuff on there. Hit subscribe for us. We'll catch you next week. 
This USA Today Sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.